This is Radio Taiwan International. Hello, and you think. And thank you for joining us on Radio Taiwan International. Up next this hour, I have about 50 minutes of programming for you. First, just starting off with Newsmakers with Tomasz Koper. And the next we have In the Spotlight. But we're going to start off the first 25 minutes with our news talk show here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and joining me today is Mr. Tomasz Koper. Hello, everyone. And we come to you in two formats. One is Facebook Live, and if you're tuning in on Facebook Live, today is Monday, February 16th, 2022. And if you're tuning in by way of shortwave, well, then today is Tuesday, February 17th, 2022. Tomasz, I got some news for you. Yes. We're one and a half months into 2022. Already? Can you believe it? What? Can you believe it? No. Time is flying. Anyway, in this show, we talk about some other news stories that we don't usually cover in our news broadcast. Uh, One, I'm going to be telling you a tale of unsportsmanlike behavior. Uh, This is in Taiwan. If you're thinking it's about the Super Bowl, uh, it is not the Super Bowl. Taiwan got the Super Bowl. No, we didn't get the Super Bowl this year. We got it last year. Uh, another story is I'm going to tell you about Taiwanese Wagyu beef and a restaurant that's starting to offer it. Actually, that's got an interesting background, and I'll be talking to you through that. And another story involves one of Taiwan's airlines, and an award it's gotten for two years in a row. Is it an award for good quality, good customer service? Well, not really. It's a different story. Uh, it's a different, perhaps maybe even more important important um award uh, recognition and next the last story we're going to be talking about well tomash and i are pretty much space nerds so if you give us news about space we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. the news about the space uh this is about taiwan launching a micro satellite and uh it has successfully entered orbit so yes. all that and more coming up next on here in taiwan don't go away Tomash, uh, how you been, man? I have not. I feel like I haven't seen you opposite of the recording studio in a while now. Uh, well, you're, yeah, you're uh, you're not on here in Taiwan on Fridays, and no. uh, I'm not in on Mondays and anymore. And Stash has been covering me for the past. Yeah, it's three been a weeks, while. Then, so it's been a while, huh? Yeah. Uh, so it's good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Uh, let me see what we got. Oh dear, Jendalari took our hackers references, which is the reference we took. We made right before going live on Facebook. She said, Segfault in heart on Taiwan.exe. Well, I would not mess with well, Jen. It probably sh- it should have read here in Taiwan.exe. Uh, oh, here. Mm. Oh, sorry. Not heart on ta- Taiwan. Here this in Taiwan. Mistake number one when hacking. Uh, <laughs> be literate. It's, which it's all about the file names. I have a very tenuous grasp. <laughs> uh, let's start off with our first story of today, which is a story. Story of unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, this is involving Taiwan's P League Plus, and Taiwan's a very—it's very big on basketball. Actually, we always say that the national sport is in Taiwan is actually baseball, but basketball also is very popular in mm-hmm. Taiwan. Taiwan actually has two basketball leagues, which I believe it or not, instead I, of I was not aware of yeah, that, and I do find it hard to believe. Yeah, they got two two basketball leagues, and we only have one baseball league. So it looks like basketball's gotten off to uh, 
a bigger start than it is in baseball. Hmm. I mean, base, the baseball league's been around for almost 30 years now. And uh, these two leagues are relatively new. I want to tell you about a story involving one of Taiwan's premier basketball players. His name is Wu Daihao. And he has played on Taiwan's national, league, national team for around five years. Now, I think this incident happened a couple of days ago, which mm-hmm. is February 12th. That's a, that was Saturday. Um, yes. Yeah, because I know, I remember because Friday was my birthday. Yes. And despite my... Uh, changes in my perception, I still have a good grasp on what day it is. So, in other words, you weren't around <laughs> on Saturday to witness when no. the event actually happened. No. Uh, so, <laughs> Utai Hao has been handed a $5,000 fine by the league and a one-game suspension, so he can't play for... Well, he's back by by now. But this incident had him suspended. And not only that, F- but... 5000 NT sounds like a symbolic amount. It is a symbolic amount, but then again, I can't imagine that Taiwanese basketball players are, are making as much as their counterparts in other parts of the world. So are they are they making what like the same as 7-Eleven employees? No. <laughs> but I don't think it is. Oh. I think 5000 does a little more damage than it would to say maybe an NBA player. Okay, yeah. Uh, just for reference, 5000 new town dollars is about 180 US dollars, mm-hmm. which is what is it? Like punitive? That's almost like uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, hmm. Okay, so here's what happened. Uh, it was about a few minutes left in the first half of this particular game, and Wu Taihao Wu was going for a rebound. So someone shot the ball. It bounced off the rim, and he ju- jumped up to grab it. And when he grabbed the ball, uh, another player, it, this is a former NBA player by the name of Devin Robinson, he uh, he came down. He also jumped up, and he came down pretty hard on Wu. And he think I think he smashed a hand and into Wu's head and neck area. Mm-hmm. And that's not... You don't like that, right? Especially no. in any... Even with in a, cont- a, sport, a contact sport context, getting smacked in the face or neck is not fun. Yeah. So in his frustration, Wu, he got up off the ground, he picked up the ball, he went up to Devin Robinson, and he just threw the ball in his face. Okay, not very sportsmanlike. It's pretty flagrant. It's mm-hmm. pretty flagrant. Um, because it's not like, Ooh, I accidentally, like, was trying to pass to someone else and uh, yeah. hit you in the face. No, this was like I had, walked up to him. I walked yeah. up to you. I had my crosshairs on you like the Terminator, and I just smacked the face in you. I smacked the ball in your face. So Wu was ejected from that game because that was, you can't <laughs> excuse that, right? Uh-huh. And um, what's his name? Robinson also got a flagrant foul, however, because he was uh, for him for 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 that rough. Mm-hmm. Smack to the face and neck. And, um, yeah, he was ejected from the game. Ooh, so this was one game suspension and $5,000 fine. However, this was just from the league. Ooh also got fined by his own team for unsportsmanlike behavior. So he got fined an additional 10000 New Taiwan dollars, which mm-hmm. is 360 US dollars. And uh, not only that, but get this, he needs to perform community service at schools, like at a high school. Um... <laughs> During the off-season, and in that community service, he's going to be speaking out against violence and bullying. And oh, he needs- oh, no. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't really uh, think very highly of uh, speakers in uh, schools who come in to talk to kids about, you know, issues and like drugs and violence and stuff like that. Did you? It's not that those topics aren't worthy of discussing, and of course, kids should be. Yeah. 
uh, talked to uh, or talked with better yet uh, about these things uh, I just I just never thought they were effective I mean like do you remember any speech motivational or otherwise in school that actually that you took to heart I remember Was there ever one? I never took it to heart I took if I did take it to heart I took it to heart for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It was usually because the speaker misspoke. Like, kids are horrible. It was usually because the, the speaker misspoke or, or said something that, you know, was funny for kids. And well, then that became the highlight of the speech. Yeah, not just that, but the, the way they do it is almost like condescending to kids right they always have to come hey guys let me talk to you about so and so and they're all very animated and it's all very uh it's all very uh what's that what's the word called it it's deliberate yeah right it's very deliberate especially when they when they come in uh, when they go to high schools you know and 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 talk to kids about like (laughs) you know sex or or drugs yeah and like most kids would go like oh you want to talk about sex or drugs cool what do you want to know yeah and then they they just they they tiptoe their way around (laughs) whatever questions are asked (sighs) um but Ooh is going to be doing this at a school and i can't imagine what that's going to be like he's like hey kids you probably saw the incident where i you know threw the basketball at devin robinson i gotta tell you and i'm here to tell you why that's wrong but it wasn't cool but then again, like you kind of remove the human factor out of it, right? Like people lose their tempers, mm-hmm. especially in visceral moments when physical contact is involved. Well, I, I hope he goes with that angle. Yeah, uh, I hope he goes instead of going with this these silly statements like "Oh, violence is never the answer." Yeah. Right? I mean, kids know that, but sometimes, you know, there are emotions that are hard to deal with, and 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 this is what he should be talking you got, about. Yeah, you yeah. got to realize I mean, like, that- how. Your temper will flare. Mm. So here are some ways in which you can control it better than I did. It's yeah? the part of the spectrum of human emotion. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I really hope he, he goes with that angle. Like, I mean, you could do interesting stuff uh, with that, uh, provided you put in some effort. That's right. All right. So, Tomas, when I talk to you, when I say the words Wagyu beef, what comes to mind uh, for you? Japan. Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but get this, Taiwan is, one restaurant in Taiwan is beginning to offer Taiwanese Wagyu beef. Mm. And this is very interesting because I've actually kind of followed this story. This Wagyu beef is actually developed and offered by former President Li Denghui's biotech company. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So former President Li Denghui, he was, he graduated from Cornell with a degree in agricultural economics. Mm-hmm. So he was very much into... Um, agricultural products, and one of his, um, one of his, uh, I guess, one projects was bringing wagyu or the way to develop wagyu into Taiwan's beef industry, mm-hmm. and that was a project that he really dealt with when he was in his retirement, and he passed away about two days ago. Uh, two, not two, not two days, I'm sorry, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two years ago. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And uh, this is very interesting because now his plan is coming to fruition. Hmm. There is a restaurant in Taipei, and if you guys understand the geography of Taipei, it's near Taipei Arena. Mm-hmm. So there's a restaurant called Yuanxing, um I'm sorry, it's not called Yuan Xingniu, but that's the breed of cattle called Yuan Xingniu, okay. which has been developed with the Wagyu te- uh, techniques. And now it's mm-hmm. on offer. What, what are the Wagyu techniques exactly? Like, I've heard urban myths, right? Yeah. Like uh, cows are fed beer and massaged and 
I don't know. They it's, it's uh, they can watch reruns of Seinfeld on TV. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> they live in luxury. That right? is that is that is the concept, right? Mm-hmm. Because what happens is happy. The core concept of Wagyu beef is happy cows make good beef, mm-hmm. and that's basically it. Um, now the company that has close to three hundred heads of ca- beef cattle, and they're being raised in Hualien, and now this beef is about the A four. So the top tier of Wagyu mm-hmm. beef in Japan is A5. Mm-hmm. And now this beef that's been developed in Taiwan is A4 quality, mm-hmm. which is still pretty good. They say they have rich marbling. Now, the thing is, the premium beef is at available at the restaurant called Yuenyo. And reservations have, are, are all booked up. Unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. Taiwanese people, A, they love to reserve restaurants, hot new restaurants, mm-hmm. and they love to line up for new stuff. If, you, if you're ever in Taiwan and you see a line that goes around the corner, uh, it's probably a new restaurant that just opened yeah. and everyone and their grandmother is out there to check it out. So it's like, it's anything new that comes in Taiwan, mm-hmm. right? When McDonald's first opened in Taiwan, that all that was like could be literally anything. Krusty Kreme had like yeah. lines of people, you know, around two blocks. When Krispy Kreme first came to town, I was like, "Great, I love donuts. Donuts are one of my favorite foods." And uh, I miss Krispy Kreme, and they're finally in Taiwan. And then I went to go line up, and they were just like, "Yeah, it's gonna be three hours to wait." I'm like, "I'm not waiting three hours for, for a donut, Krispy Kreme, for a donut, Krispy Kreme donut, which well. is available at gas stations in the United States." I'm like, "I must really." undervalue my time if mm-hmm. i do this however um this is a new thing and i'm kind of interested but i'm going to let the hype die down a little bit uh, the store offers hot pot sets which includes this premium beef and the well get this tomash it starts at 1688 new taiwan dollars mm-hmm. which is a third of the fine that was slapped on the basketball player that we just <laughs> talked about let me put that in context um, and according to the company that make produces the beef, they also have dairy cows and the small farm that they're saying the monthly revenue currently of the dairy products is about 6 million new Taiwan dollars, mm. which is nothing to laugh at, especially if it's a small farm. Well, now I'm, now I'm even more interested because yeah. I'm, I've been on the lookout for good dairy in Taiwan, uh, longer than I've been looking for beef or, uh, I, it, it is in shorter supply. At yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, have you ever heard... They do bring in, like, California milk. Milk from California. I don't know if you... I mean, I, I there is a brand of Taiwanese milk mm. that is good and that I use for um, my own projects. I make my own cheese. Yeah. Um, and, and there is one brand um, that I'm happy with. But I, I've, you know, I would be willing to try uh, another one if they promise to have good milk. Is it is it the same as with uh, meat? Uh, Happy Cow produces good milk well the thing is the calif where i come from the california slogan for california milk is happy cows make happy milk oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I almost said that like it, <laughs> it, it's a very natural thing to say like happy cows make happy milk uh but i think it makes sense right yeah, yeah. um well, happy milk sounds like something laced with drugs honestly <laughs> Or like, uh, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight milk. <laughs> Fight milk. Crow's egg. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, if um, you yeah, guys don't sorry, watch that show. It makes sense to us. We'll talk about it. It's been a while it. since we yeah. were on this show together. Tomash and I are all yeah, pop culture references. We have a backlog references. of references that we need to get through. Jen Delari says, Wagyu myth number 345. 24 hours a day of live classical orchestrated music for the cows. <laughs> I don't know if it's 24 hours, man. Like, you, I would love to listen to... Co- or, 
classical music, but like when I gotta sleep, I gotta mm. turn the music off. Yeah, exactly. Also, if, I mean, I like classical music as well, but if someone was playing classical music for me all day, every day, yeah. I would go insane. Like, <laughs> give, give those cows some variety. Jen Delari has a question. She says, is there any fast food that isn't in Taiwan because of its legal status? Like China said, it's them or us, not both. Uh, That's no, a good question. I, I don't think so. I mean, we have the major uh, brands, the major yeah. chains. Like we have uh, McDonald's, we have Burger King, we have yeah. KFC. Um, I mean, there are fast food chains that are not in Taiwan just because the market is small. Yeah. And, you know, Taiwanese people, for example, don't eat a lot of, I don't know, like... Taco Bell, yeah, I, I would assume. But that's not to say there have been instances where Taiwanese brands that go to China that operate in China have been given pressure. Mm -hmm. There, otherwise, China is just like they have to be like you have to say things this way, otherwise get out, uh, get out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's kind of unfortunate. That's as political as it gets. I don't think there has been outright um, de declination, mm -hmm. if that's a word of allowing a, a business to run in China or Taiwan mm -hmm. out of just outright politics. I don't think that's the mm -hmm. case. Denial is the word. Yeah. Denial. There you go. <laughs> well, I think I've demonstrated that I have a tenuous grasp on the language <laughs> of English, which is kind of alarming. Uh, let me just tell you really quickly, China Airlines, Taiwan's biggest uh, air carrier, actually won a, an award this year for Silver Class um, for sustainability, believe it or not, which is great, hmm. which is really, really great. I mean, I know you have a lot of experience with the airline industry because your dad Ten, tangential experience. Tangential. Um, what do you have any idea what would make a an airline sustainable? Um, these days, it's mainly about burning fuels that aren't uh, acquired by digging into the ground okay so it's biofuels uh with different mixes of uh, um, vegetable oils i well Whoa. this is something like that, 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 that can be obtained from vegetables mm. or, or organic sources so um i i've heard this is the the big thing right now uh when it comes to sustainability but this is still sustainability in terms of uh, acquisition uh. of fuel rather than CO2 output. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't really give it, many details. It, it still puts out a ton of CO2. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, whatever you burn, you're still burning it. I mean, there's, I mean, there's also, they also take, because flight has some safety risks, sometimes the, they do fuel dumps in order to lighten the plane's load. If they, if well, that's only in an emergency. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. if it's a if it's a regular flight, then it it should uh, carry exactly the right amount of fuel plus a little extra. Mm. But the, but planes can land with this little extra. Yeah. The only uh, type of situation in which a plane would dump its fuel is if it has to go back to the original airport or land soon after takeoff uh, without burning through most of its fuel. Mm. So if you are a person who's who cares about the environment or are very pro-green initiatives, mm -hmm. well, then rest assured, China Airlines is a very good choice for you. Yeah, well, um, it's better than many others who don't do anything um, sustainable. So, yeah, that's good. They should also change their name. Yes, definitely. I mean, I'm China Airlines, come on. All right, Tomash, let's get to this story where you and I are just going to geek out really quickly. Uh, Taiwan recently launched it developed a satellite in conjunction mm -hmm. with the u.s india and i believe singapore 
and uh, it's it's, uh, it's, um, it's an international project. It's yes. an international project of which Taiwan was part of, but that satellite has now been launched, successfully launched, and is now in the upper atmosphere, I believe? Uh, well, it, it should sorry. be in orbit. It should be in orbit. Uh, hopefully it's not um, in the upper atmosphere. It's going to give you information <laughs> about the upper yes. atmosphere. Sorry, yes, sorry, yes, sorry. Yes. There we go. Uh, it's called InspireSat-1, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a major milestone in scientific collaboration for Taiwan, at least. And Taiwan has been developing its uh, space program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's mainly the payloads that, yeah. that Taiwan has been developing. The delivery systems are still something that uh, Taiwan uh, has, has recently started doing. I can't open the story on this computer. It's so fine. I got it right I, here. I have to talk from memory, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but um, to uh, something that might be of interest to our uh, Indian viewers, which I, I know we do get a lot, yeah. is that the, the satellite was put into orbit uh, by... or using an Indian-made um, launch system. It was launched in India. Mm. I remember India is also... Their space program is actually known for pretty being really efficient. Yes. Right? Uh, because didn't they send a Mars satellite or a mission to Mars? Well, uh, I, I guess uh, both... Taiwan and India are countries uh, with somewhat limited resources when mm. it comes to space exploration, but huge ambitions. So um, both space programs focus on uh, light payloads, mm. so microsatellites, uh, things that can um, give you a lot of scientific data with relatively little um, resources yeah. that are required. We're, we're looking at the CP index. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, India has sent uh, probes um, yeah. all over, actually. Um, but those are, yeah, much sort of lighter, simpler devices than what NASA is putting out. So understandably, they don't get as much coverage, but they're still valuable scientific endeavors. Absolutely. Um, so uh, for those of you interested, um, the microsatellite was launched uh, uh, yesterday uh, in the morning from the Satish Dhawan Space Center in uh, Sriharikota, India. I'm sorry, I probably mispronounced all of that. If we, Like I said, uh, if anybody can correct us, it's going to be our Indian viewers. Yes. Uh, of which we have many. And this satellite is supposed to be in sun-synchronous orbit, so I guess it follows the sun's movements uh, as it moves around the... or as the Earth moves around the sun, it follows where the sun is, I think. That's uh, what sun-synchronous y- is. Yeah, sun-synchronous should... Well, it means that it's facing the same sort of side of the sun, mm, right? So okay. it, it uh, uh, orbits as fast as the sun uh, rotates. Okay. And uh, it's at an altitude of 525 kilometers. It's going to be collecting data for participating institutions. I believe it's going to give us a lot of information about the upper atmosphere. Uh, This satellite has a mission of one year and a primary minimum requirement of six months for science operations. Um, the The successful launch, it took four years of collaborative research and development under the International Satellite Program in Research and Education, which is acronymed... Inspire, which is, do you think mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time think of the acronym first? I, I always think that. Like, <laughs> when, whenever I see a very good acronym, I, I always think that they started with the acronym yeah. and then worked their way back to the actual name of the thing. Is there, is there, there must be an art form for this, right? But, I mean, International Satellite Program in Research and Education, that's, that's, that's almost natural. Like, you could, you could probably, like, come up with this name first and then yeah. discover that, oh, by lucky coincidence, this also has an awesome 
acronym. And um, like I said, this is in a bid to develop Taiwan's space program. And last year, Taiwan passed the Space Development Act, which combines the strengths of industry, government, and academia to develop a blueprint for space development to rival cutting-edge international missions, it added. Basically, Taiwan wants its own NASA. And um, before we go, there was a, um, a launch that was scheduled for Hualien. Like Taiwan, a rocket was supposed to launch off, launch from Hualien in Taiwan, mm-hmm. and um, there were some concerns about environmental safety, and the it was on like uh, contested grounds. Oh, so they had to scrap it, and I believe that launch was uh, moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. I believe. Anyway, yeah. B- before you uh, you jump on us in the comments, uh, th- those were actually two satellites. So, so one is um, uh, studying the ionosphere of the Earth, mm. and the other is pointed towards the sun. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's about all the time we have for this edition of Here in Taiwan. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Tomash and I ramble about the news. Uh, for <laughs> and the movie hackers. And the movie hackers. For Here in Taiwan, I'm Leslie Liao. And I'm Tomash Koper. Don't go away, you guys. Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Newsmakers. In this episode, we will take a look at a recently departed Catholic missionary who devoted 60 years of his life to Taiwan and its peoples, Father Gottfried von Phil. You might think it's strange to feature a foreigner on this show since I've been showcasing Taiwanese people and organizations almost exclusively, with the exception of the country of Lithuania, on this program since I took over from Stash Butler a few months ago. Well, for the last five years of his life, Father von Phil enjoyed the Taiwanese citizenship after necessary amendments to Taiwan's immigration laws were introduced in late 2016. But before we get to that part of the story, Let's take a look at the journey that brought Father von Phil to Taiwan and his many contributions to the country and its inhabitants. Gottfried von Phil was born in Switzerland in 1931. In 1956, at the age of 25, he joined the Bethlehem Mission Society, a Swiss-based organization whose goal is to train priests for missionary service around the world. The society established a presence in Taiwan in 1957 and engaged in missionary and humanitarian work around the city of Taidong on Taiwan's eastern shores. Among its contributions to Taiwan is St. Mary's Hospital in Taidong, founded in 1961, as well as vocational training centers, a vocational high school, nursing homes, kindergartens, and other facilities serving the local community. Father von Phil was ordained in 1958 and served local Swiss congregations until he boarded a ship bound for Taiwan and arrived in the country in 1963. Initially, he served as a parish priest in Fugang and Dulan townships near Taidong. In a later interview, he recalled his first moments in Taiwan and said that he was already mentally ready to settle down here when he first arrived in Taidong. I am sure that sentiment will have a familiar ring to many foreigners in Taiwan. Father von Phil made great efforts to learn Mandarin, Taiyu, which is spoken by the largest ethnic group in Taiwan, as well as Amis, a language of one of Taiwan's indigenous ethnic groups. He later remarked that he spoke better Amis than many from the group itself, as, at the time, languages other than Mandarin and non-Chinese cultures were suppressed by the authoritarian KMT regime. You can think what you will of the attitude many Christian missionaries, especially of the Roman Catholic denomination, have towards local traditions and cultures, 
I certainly have strong opinions on the topic, being raised Catholic in a mostly devout family, but Father von Phil seems to have been cut from a somewhat different cloth. In the many years of service, he promoted the idea of preaching while respecting local traditions and languages. He preached, read the Bible, sang songs, and even published in Taiyu. He also organized plays based on the gospel and utilized Taiwan's long puppetry traditions in teaching his message to the people of Taiwan. He had a particular appreciation for the Amis people, among other indigenous cultures, even participating in some ceremonies in the traditional attire of the group. In 1973, Fonville helped establish a kindergarten, and in 1987, he established a credit cooperative to promote saving money and provide loans for church-related construction and renovation projects. He became the head of the Bethlehem's Mission Society in 1980, a position which he held for over 20 years. Father von Phil was recalled to Switzerland in 2003, but once the term of his appointment there came to a close five years later, he chose to return to Taiwan and spend his retirement years here. His contributions to Taiwan and its people were recognized in 2017, when he was awarded the Taiwanese citizenship. During the ceremony that accompanied the occasion, he said in fluent Taiyu, I'm a typical Taiwanese now. A few years ago, Father von Phil became wheelchair-bound and started requiring constant personal care. Sadly, his health continued deteriorating and he passed away on Monday this week in Taidong St. Mary's Hospital, the same one his organization established, at the age of 90. On a final note, a foreigner obtaining Taiwanese citizenship is not a common occurrence and was even more unusual before the end of 2016, when the law was amended to make it easier for foreigners to get naturalized in Taiwan. Under new regulations, foreigners can apply for naturalization, but keep their original nationality under certain conditions. This was impossible in the past, and those wishing to become Taiwanese citizens had to relinquish their previous citizenships. These new rules aim to attract high-level professionals in the fields of arts, culture, economics, education, sports, and technology to Taiwan. They also serve to reward those with especially distinguished contributions to Taiwan by granting them citizenship. Requirements, however, remain very tight and include obtaining a recommendation from a relevant central authority, for example. So for most foreign nationals residing in Taiwan, becoming naturalized is still an unattainable goal. That brings us to the end of this episode of Newsmakers. Join me next week for another look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. As a postscriptum, I would like to play one of the calls we use at RTI at the beginning of our broadcast. This one features a song in the language of the Amis, so beloved by Father von Phil. <laughs> The Sound of the Amis Tribe on Radio Taiwan International.
Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Teresa Chow is into real estate and many other things. She founded Opsis Capital, a real estate investment business. In last week's episode, she started talking about helping people with startups. She will continue with that today. But first off, though, talking about giving workshops in different cities in China about higher education on a one-month vacation, supposed vacation she took some time ago. And I took a vacation, and then instead of going on, you know, going to like I don't know, like. Italy or like you know the UK or the Maldives. I actually decided to do like a around China、um, speaking、oh. uh, event. So I took two on my vacation. That yeah. So I don't know、you、what don't I was thinking.、Time. I don't waste time. So, but I really I really enjoyed that experience. So I felt talking about starting a business.、Uh, it was actually talking about starting a business and also higher education. Oh, yeah, because、okay. at the time I haven't started my business yet, because、uh-huh. it was right before I started my business. It was、okay. during my vacation, and then I, I did the around the China sort of、uh, China tour. So I、mm-hmm. went to thirty seven cities within、uh, a month. <laughs> yeah, you took a month's vacation. But in hindsight, I feel like it was more tiring than my actual day job. <laughs> yeah, and then but it was nice.、So. Yeah, and. I think I I was interested in giving back, so that program was mainly for students in China. So you talk to all the the best、oh. uh, high schools, uh, all local high schools within China cities, but in Chinese, right? In,、yeah. In Chinese and English. Oh, because、okay. most of them,、um, they actually speak. They don't. They actually have pretty good English comprehension because、mm. they're from the best high school in each city. Oh, yeah. So、okay. you're kind of helping them, like、um, educating them about the education system in Australia, UK, and then US. So we we do experience share. Oh, yeah, and then most、okay. of us are grad school from all the Ivy Leagues in 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 um in in the U.S. Mm, mm. and even in the U.K. Oxford, Cambridge.、Oh. So I think it was a really fun program. So throughout that program, I also meet people、um, from all walks of life. You know, other speakers, and it was a month. It was very intense. I've never done it before, but it was fun. And after that one month, I was like, Do I want to go back to my day job, or、oh. am I ready to embark on a new journey? <laughs> So I spoke to my mentor, and then、um, after、oh. one、um, an hour long conversation, I was like, "He's like, hey, I don't, I think what you're doing in a start startup is great. You're heading like the B two B marketing department. I think it's great, but I feel like you probably have enough toolboxes in your bag. Maybe it's time for you to start." And I was like, "Yeah, opportunities don't wait for you." Right. So I literally wrote an email then and there after the call with my mentor. I just wrote an email to to my boss at the time and the CEO of of the company,、mm-hmm. and I said, "Hey, I'm submitting my two weeks notice. You know,、uh, thank you so much for the last, you know, three years of my time. Obviously, if you guys want me to transition for longer, I'm happy to work remotely in addition to the two weeks notice. I felt、uh. like you should never drop the bomb on somebody.、Yeah. So I actually ended up working for an additional month and a half,、uh-huh. but the last month was remote."、Uh-huh. And then simultaneously, I was talking to my my two partners in LA because、um, I actually was already an existing investor for their project. Oh, and I said, "Hey, I feel like you guys are too slow," <laughs> as in because they have 
um, they have secured a lot of land, but they didn't have the funding or the resources to develop all at the same time. They were only able to do it one at a time. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hey, why don't um, I fundraise? Why don't I pull the resources together? I'll set up the infrastructure. You guys just bring the land. Oh, okay. And your expertise, and then we'll do it together. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "Sure." And I've met them for for I've known them for like over ten years, so there is some sort of trust. So I think yeah. it's also very important to find yes, good business partner that you know for a while and I you know. have some history with. Yeah, that's probably the most important part, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, and I think that's why it was very clear how we divide our um, the division of labor was very was very uh, easily executed because we know each other so well, mm-hmm. so we know our strength, our weaknesses, and whatnot. So yeah, so so yeah, within a month, I was already on the road fundraising. Wow. Yeah, and and you're fast too. Relatively fast, I you think. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw maybe over three hundred different investors. Yeah, in the span of like two months yeah month two months yeah and mm-hmm. these investors were all over the world as well but mostly um yeah in the u.s and then um singapore china hong kong and, right yeah taiwan oh, wow yeah i'm curious how did you find this mentor he's actually somebody that um i've known i actually met him at a wedding eight uh-huh. years ago uh-huh yeah and uh he's also a serial entrepreneur so um i think he started his entrepreneurship journey earlier than me i think he was at yale he's definitely someone older than you right he's actually around my age oh yeah but he started way early because he quit yale uh in the middle of his like four-year college because he was like oh this is not worth my time i'm gonna start my business this is a genius yeah and then he oh my gosh Yes, and then he, uh, and then he started his like um, first uh, first startup when he was, I think, nineteen or twenty. Yeah, he just quit college and then he started that. But eventually, he uh, he's so good at negotiation and so good at like working around the system that he actually uh, went back and negotiated with his, with his, uh, with his Yale professor uh-huh. so that he could uh, study remotely and get his degree at the same time. Oh, I don't wow. know how he did that. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a prodigy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So I think he. Um, I always go to him whenever I have you know uh, questions about you know direction of my career because I feel like he uh, he was at a position where I wanted to be because I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to be managing uh, a team and I wanted to build stuff. Oh my god! So I think it's good too. Where have. is he in the states? He's in the states right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, like he's a white guy or. He's Asian. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's from Hong Kong originally. Uh-huh. Yeah, but oh I think God. he grew up in Vancouver. Uh huh. He actually went to the same uh, high school, boys' school, with my husband. Oh. So they actually know each other. Oh, wow. But what? but I didn't meet my husband until like two years ago when I when I first this came is, back to Taiwan. This is how small the world is. Small. <laughs> I know. No, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's one you know once in a million times that something like that would happen. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Any advice about, you know, um, starting up a business? Any other valuable advice that you can give our listeners? I think um, don't think too much. Don't overthink. Because I think a lot of people want to have the perfect business plan. They want to get everything sorted out. But I think... A lot of the time, what you imagine um, usually doesn't get realized. So you have to be very agile and also um, very adaptable. So I, I would say just, you know, 
tell someone to blindfold you and just jump. <laughs> just just start something. Just set up that LLC first. Set up that entity first. If you have partners、um, that you think could be suitable for your business, definitely ask him or her. Because if you can't even convince your partner to join on board, it will be very hard for you to com- convince your customer or your client. Right. Yeah, you need to have conviction when you talk. Uh, when you pitch, I think it's very important to have partners because sometimes the entrepreneurship journey is very lonely,、mm. Um, mm. and I think everyone has our ups and downs. So I think when you're up. Or when you're down, ideally your partner is up, so you guys can balance. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and you guys can continue that journey. That works、together. the same for couples. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think <laughs> I have to thank my partners, my business partners, because I think they definitely、uh, help me. Kind of、um, hone my communication skills, and、mm. I think、um, also I I think in in general, Bijal, I'm a little more proactive. Mm, mm. Yeah, so I think it's good sometimes to have someone who's more, you know, the other way. Yeah, yeah, the, the <laughs> other way. I'm like, what's the what's a word to describe it? Like, yeah,、um, inactive. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, how do I say in a way passive. that's、like, passive, <laughs> but in a positive tonation? R- right. Yeah, 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 like a yeah. Right. Um, Someone so, who's more thought, thoughtful, proactive, maybe. Yeah,、uh, I don't know. Do you know the word solopreneur? Yes. So you don't recommend solopreneur. You don't think it actually is good. I think everyone is wired differently. I've also seen people who are solopreneurs that have done very successful, but、mm. it's actually a company that I invested in.、Um, they actually recently sold as well. But、mm. it, it was very tough. If you're a solopreneur, I definitely applaud.、Mm. I always feel like、yeah. it's really cool when I meet someone who just started the business on his or her own terms.、Mm. I think that's really impressive.、Um, but I think if you are just starting out, it's okay to start on your own. And、mm-hmm. as you feel like there's skill sets or there's areas of weakness that you want to be enhanced, whether it's marketing, whether it's like community or you know legal accounting finance, you can then find people to enhance you. Mm. Or to like, you know, support you. Yeah, yeah.、Um, and it doesn't have to be a partner at your level because I think a lot of people you can hire them as a senior hire, like a, a CEO, COO, or CFO, or CTO to、mm. kind of you know supplement your team.、Mm. But they don't have to be co-founders if you want to remain independent. Well, I think that actually every person needs to be a good team worker, but also. You know that they're good at working on their own, being independent. Yes, yes. Yeah, you've got to have both. I think. Yes, yes. So、um, it's it's important. But wouldn't you say you actually start off as a solopreneur? I think actually,、uh, well, for Opsis Capital, I've known Tony and Ellen for a long time, so I wanted to work with them.、Mm. So I actually convinced them to、mm. let me join because、oh, they actually、okay. had a partnership already because they、uh-huh. were doing brokerage.、Uh-huh. So they have a real estate brokerage license, and as a result, they were able to secure land、ah. at a very cheap price because they know what the market value, what the comps is, right?、Mm. And at the same time, they also knew. Um, how to secure it before it even gets listed on the market?、Oh. Yeah. So, what do you think about real estate in Taiwan? So, I have a lot of developer friends in Taiwan, so、uh, I need to watch what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think real estate in Taiwan.、Uh, I feel like Taiwanese people love real estate. Yeah.、Uh, maybe that's in my DNA. That's why I did real estate too. <laughs>、um, I but I f- I just feel like real estate is driven by both domestic demand and also foreign demand.、Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of other foreign cities I've mentioned, first tier cities, there's a lot of domestic d- demand as well as、um, outbound. 
mm-hmm. as well as foreign demand. Uh-huh. But I feel like for Taiwan, domestic demand is questionable because a lot of the time, the younger crowds, the people who need to purchase home, may not have the purchasing power. I know because the salary hasn't really been right. Raised, right. I hope this doesn't yeah. get too political, but no, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like a lot of time they need to rely on their parents to help them purchase, mm-hmm. and that's really that's tough,、mm. right? So I think domestic demand is questionable. And then for foreign demand, there's not as much. I mean, during when Hong Kong had the、um, the protests and COVID, there was some Hong Kong demand,、uh-huh. but it wasn't. It's not that sustainable. It's not as lasting.、Mm. Whereas if you look at Hong Kong, Singapore, LA, there's constantly people from outside of those cities wanting to buy in. But that being said,、uh, I think real estate is a very Localized play, so I can't generalize Taiwan as a whole. I think looking at certain pockets of Taiwan, obviously, Taiwan real estate prices have grown up a lot thanks to TSMC,、mm-hmm. right? Because they're obviously expanding their、um, manufacturing facilities、yeah. and whatnot. So I feel like、um, you have to look at pockets. So there probably are still areas of pockets that you know、um, that could be worth investing or worth looking into in Taiwan. I've been <laughs> I've been back in Taiwan thirty years and. There's constantly buildings going up. Yes, you know, all these luxury apartment buildings, and constantly. I mean, how do you see that? And how do you see Taiwan's this this high housing prices? I think Taiwan housing prices is it's is really expensive, and I think the、yes. rental yield is very very low,、mm. right? So it's almost unrealistic, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know how people just hyped up the price like that. You know, I, to the point where like <laughs> only the rich can buy. I mean, what what's you know. Poor average people, but I think like many different industries and and different things that's happening in the world, a lot of things are going very bipolar. The rich is definitely getting richer.、Um, the developer is coming up with a lot of products that only the rich can afford because the rich has a lot of money. They do need to deploy their capital,、mm-hmm. so they do naturally want to deploy into real estate because、yeah. it's safe and it's a large sum of money. So when you say, "Oh, there's a lot of new nice high rises," and yes, because the the rich is still Buying them buying up. Them. I think a funny phenomenon is that they don't they don't actually rent it out. They just want it. No, they just want it to just, be there. Yeah, they don't care about the rental yield. But partially, it's also because Taiwan rental yield is very very low. It's、right. like one percent, one point five percent. So it's not really worth the、uh-huh. the hassle for them.、Um, but that being said, there's a lot of developer that's also focusing on smaller units, right? Because land prices are rising,、mm-hmm. uh, material labor prices are rising. In order、mm-hmm. to kind of come up with products that they feel like the middle class can afford, they need to come up with smaller unit. You know, I've never learned so much about real estate <laughs>、uh, except today from you. Really, thank you so much. This has really been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All、Charlie. right. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International, and you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, 
on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International.